In societies where modern conditions of production prevail, life is presented as an intense accumulation of spectacles. Everything that was directly lived has receded into a representation. The spectacle is not a collection of images. It is a social relation between people that is mediated by images. Huh. Oh, hey there. You're listening to A Time of Monsters, a podcast about our descent to barbarism and the radical left struggle against it. I'm Aaron. And I was reading from The Society of the Spectacle, written by Guy Debord in 1967. Debord was a founding member of the Situationist International, the coming together of a few European avant-garde groups who developed a critique of modern society and new methods of agitation that were influential in leading up to the May 1968 revolt in France. In The Society of the Spectacle, Debord explains how the spectacle is not just mass media technologies, it's, it's not just the news, it's not just advertising. It is the means, ends, and justification of ruling class ideology based on, quote, an affirmation of appearances and an identification of all human social life with appearances. In this episode, my guests Liv and Julian, co-hosts of the QAnon Anonymous podcast, are going to help me explore the book's themes and how spectacular domination via social media has exacerbated real and illusory divisions in society, leading to fringe groups like QAnon. Uh, there will be a link in the show notes to a recent episode of QAnon Anonymous where Matt Chrisman uh, comes on to actually talk about the society of the spectacle. And I recommend you checking out their podcast and becoming a patron. I uh, hope you enjoy this discussion. It was one of my favorite, probably because I love the book so much. But also Liv and Julian are incredibly intelligent people and incredibly funny. And um, I think you're going to like what they have to say. So enjoy. Julian Liv from uh, QAnon Anonymous Podcast. Thanks for joining me to talk about one of uh, one of the books that I'm obsessing over now. It's, yeah, uh, glad to be here. Yeah, Pleasure. Uh, yeah. I, I really like you guys' podcast. Like I was just telling Julian that um, I just discovered it a couple months ago because I saw you guys did a Society of the Spectacle episode with Matt, a friend of the show. And uh, it's like, you know, the first time you read Marx, like Capital, or even like the Comedy's Manifesto, how it kind of just it's like, you know, tripping balls or something, you know what I mean? It just opens this portal in your brain. And then um, being like terminally online, unfortunately, and then uh, coming across this book and then listening to your episode. And I think another episode from the Antipod, I was like, I got to I got to talk about this with y'all, man, because uh, we are living in the spectacle, right? Yeah. It is everything I, that exists. It took yeah. me a while to read it because in France, you know, it's kind of like a, a term that just gets thrown around a lot. But when I did finally read it, I was in Paris and most of it, I remember I was sitting in a McDonald's where I found Wi-Fi and it was just like really very surreal. That's probably appropriate though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. It worked very well. Yeah. Uh, it's almost like, like Debord didn't, like the extent to which he was correct, he did not understand, you know? Exactly. It's, That's it's it. like when in the Communist Manifesto, Marx writes like everything solid melts into air. Mm -hmm. And it's like, he, you know, he's writing that in like what, 1844? Yeah. And he, like the extent to which everything solid melted into air is like, far beyond what he could have even like imagined right well i mean even like we'll talk about it but even like social media you know like there's no way that he could have predicted that that would have been the latest development in the spectacle you know I, yeah i mean that's why i wanted to kind of give people a little bit of context and mention that the year he released this book was the year that the first episode of star trek the original series aired. <laughs> just to give you a reference for where we were at 
And then the next year was 2001 A Space Odyssey. Holy uh, shit. So it, it is a very kind of special time. It's also a time of huge upheaval. 68 is the biggest kind of French social movement of the modern mm. era. Uh, you know, the the May of 68 or whatever. And it, it was all it was all part of it. I mean, Debord was part of uh, a group that, you know, uh, never saw politics as very far off from what they did, which was to write. And they were artists and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I mean, Debord is pretty brutal with art, man. He basically is like, yeah, after Dadaism, like everything is just a copy and it's all it's like art is dead. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Which is. Yeah, I like it. So so actually, let's get into that then. Let's get into uh, before we get into the book um, and you guys can help me understand the historical context. Um, it's another group I really got into the situations international and um, the way they decided to circumvent like capitalist production, as well as um, having criticisms of the Soviet Union, too. So uh, what was going on at the time in France and what was this 1968 uprising that um, the work of the situation international was the undergirding of this movement? What was this? What was that all about? I mean, 68, I know that people will disagree with me, but I think it was a pretty good example of how revolution could work in a modern era, you know, where you don't end up decapitating anybody. But a lot of laws are changed. Uh, the social safety net is put back in place. Workers rights, uh, the possibility of a shorter work week and all of these regulations that I think. Uh, are seen in America as like, you know, intense socialism. Well, Mm. the root of the modern French socialist state, as you would call it, it is uh, the 1968 movement. And I love the situationists that were founded, by the way, by Debord himself. He was one of the founding Mm. members in in 57. And uh, their their slogan that they would like graffiti around Paris uh, was, ne travaillez jamais. Which this is, right here, my shirt. Fucking yeah. never work. Never yeah. work. Never fucking work. Yeah. Never work. Yeah, it's my favorite <laughs> photo on Twitter. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah. sort of a under like a, a a a prelude to to like I would prefer not to. Mm. Sort of similar logic. Yes. Yeah. 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 And it's interesting, like, I think a lot of the the shortcomings of 68 as well can be, like, understood through Debord mm. and a lot of what he says in, in insofar as, like, there's a, there's a danger to which, like, left-wing movements can be subsumed into and dominated by the spectacle. Yeah. He writes this, I think it's at the, the end of Society of the Spectacle in the, the ideology section, that, like, if you do not remove yourself from the spectacle, understand understand its underpinnings and how it operates even your movement can uh, fall into it. I know there's like, a, I believe it's an Althusser quote about 68 related something to like, not everything that moves is red, mm. which I think is important to understand that, mm, like, I like that. The, the extent to which like, and you know, you can apply this to, there were some people who were reacting to like the January 6th stuff mm. as if it was like, well, because they're being radical or whatever, like clearly there's something good here. I think the Althusserian position of like, not everything that moves is red is a good idea to, to attach to that, to understand. It's not simply the existence of the opposition. You can apply this to like the, the Boogaloo stuff. Mm. Like it's, not, it's not simply the opposition to the status quo and even like an aesthetic of radicalism mm. that can provide us with liberation. Yeah. There needs to be an authentic break from the spectacle, from ideology. Otherwise, it's just reaction, which is exactly yeah. what January 6th was. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> right. All right. With that context, then let's get into the book then. Um, so like during Trump's presidency, you had like a, a lot of liberal pundits. And I mean, even just like, you know, folks online, everyone saying that his presidency was a spectacle. Right. But they meant like an absurdity, a distraction. But in a Debordian sense, that's not what the spectacle actually is. And it's not even just mass media alone. Right. Or even just social media. Right. It's sort of like this um, this unreality 
right, of the real world, I guess, so to speak. Um, in Thesis 1, he says, in societies where modern conditions of production prevail, life is presented as an immense accumulation of spectacles. Everything that was directly lived has receded into representation. And that's a nod to the opening sentence of Capital, which I like mm-hmm. a lot. So um, so let's get into that. Then what is what is the spectacle? How can we differentiate that from, you know, the liberal punditry of uh, it's a distraction or an absurdity? I, and the nod to Capital is super interesting because he replaces the word commodity <laughs> with spectacle. Mm. Right? So it's yeah. it's. That's the essential, you know, theoretical underpinning is that the the commodity has developed into an image of sorts, yeah. right? But it still functions the same way that the commodity does as a relationship between people. Exactly. So the Marxian sort of beginning point about how he analyzes the commodity is like a very important point to understand. I know that uh, somewhere in Capital, Marx writes about like the sort of queer nature of the mm. commodity, which I checked is not problematic. In German, it is not associated. <laughs> Good. Good. <laughs> yeah. We won't get canceled. Nice. <laughs> yeah, not canceling Marx today. Um, it's like it's the he writes how it's the reverse of transubstantiation mm. insofar as like when the 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 wafer turns into the body of Christ, the physical thing uh, does not change, but the value changes. Mm. Whereas with the commodity, the the physical thing, let's say this, let's say like, you know, uh, a book is $5 and I don't know, like a, a beer is $5. The mm. physical thing changes, but the value is the same. Yeah. So it's a reversal, but it's still, that's where like the sort of fetishism begins. Mm. And Marx's yeah. whole point is that that's actually not a thing that's not related to the thing itself. It's a social relationship between people. Exactly. Exactly. And that's what I found interesting, too, with this book. Um, it's sort of like an update to capital. Right. Mm-hmm. I think the board says, well, he, he talks about how money is like the general equivalent. Right. Between commodities. But now the commodity itself and the spectacle itself. Right. And that relation of images between people. Right. Right. Is what actually is the the um, I think he uses the phrase. The sun of the sun that never sets over the empire passivity. Yeah, I love that. And it's funny because to me, as soon as you were talking about, you know, how visibility can be value, I think of the fact that nothing really changed when Trump came in other than certain Mm. people started questioning this doctrine that visibility equals value because suddenly you had this grotesque figure filling the screen where previously the, you know, great and noble American political establishment expressed itself in sensical and good ways, you know, in the Mm. pre-Trump era before the the fall. But it's not true. We always have, uh, uh, you know, gone by this visibility equals value thing. And like you said, it kind of makes you ragdoll, essentially. You become a contemplator. You also are a product. You're either creating in an alienated way or consuming something that is uh, that you're alienated from as a Mm. respite from creating the alienated uh, or whatever. I'm saying all the words wrong. You guys know more about theory, but I I, I do picture this 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 uh, this feeling of like, well, I'm being carried through this anyways by much larger forces what if i just stopped moving and that was the kind of i I would prefer not it's the idea Mm. of just the only way to resist uh capitalism in this kind of metastasized form is to just go completely limp and then you're useless to it but there's almost no other form of resistance which is kind of terrifying i mean it is this it's a very scary book in many ways Mm -hmm. It, it it is very scary it's very depressing because especially as you know someone who's extremely online like after reading this, I didn't want to log back on. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I was like, I am spectacle and spectator. <laughs> you know, yeah. What I mean? yeah. 
It's also written like slam poetry, so it's very enticing. Like he numbers the stuff, and he like he repeats the word spectacle over and over. And they say uh, that that was to kind of imitate the way that the spectacle just hammers at you in waves mm. until you feel numb and you become part of it and you move with it. Mm. Uh, and I, I like that the idea that he did a bit of uh, you know using the form to communicate uh, something as well because he was an SD. He wasn't just yeah. a thinker, like he was an artist. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And he has turns of phrases where like, you know, he'll almost like, I guess it's like, uh, like tautology or like it's these aphorisms where they kind of like reverse themselves and repeat themselves, you know? Yes. Yes. Right. So they it makes you it... feel bad. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's sort of like the sort of early Hegelian Marxist writings, like, um, uh, like his manuscripts in when was, which he wrote when he was like, I think 26. One of the, one of the quotes I remember is, the more the worker works, the less they have. Mm. It's a very, you know, it's it's like a this sort of a reversal of what one might expect. But yeah. that's sort of how the spectacle works in a certain sense. One thing, one thing too, um, I definitely want to touch on is that um, the the spectacles like uh, is, is apparent unity, right? Is actually based on division, right? Yes. Um, it's dialectical. Um, from thesis two, he says fragmented views of reality regroup themselves into a new unity as a separate pseudo world. You know, he uses that phrase pseudo like mm-hmm. so many fucking times um, that can only be looked at a world of autonomized images where even the deceivers are deceived. So the 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 spectacle is even though it seems to be a representation of social reality, it's it's unity and what connects it is division. Right. And the fact that everyone is consumed in their own sort of sub spectacle. Yes. Right. Yeah. And even in then, even within the spectacle, it has to reconcile contradictions. So it's also a way of kind of managing a broader dissociation. And by presenting you with those images on the screen and making those contradictions appear together, they melt into one overwhelming, blinding spectacle. And Mm. thus they resolve themselves. I mean, not really, but, you know, (laughs) We feel worse and worse, but, you know, yeah. we, we, we live with two things that are opposite and we're able to keep them within our view. And we have developed, I guess, the lungs to breathe in that air. Yeah. yeah. It allows for it to seem as if it is consistent, as if yep. it is like a worldview that you can live with and understand the world through, yep. even though it's, you know, based on nothing. Well, it's based on the, the ideology and the ju- its justification for the ruling class ideology. That's yes. the whole entire purpose of the spectacle. Its means, its end, its justification is purely to not just make you contemplative, but to not incite you to any sort of political disruptive action. Exactly. Right? It anesthetizes you. And I think we all have felt that, this feeling of weird numbness in our era that's getting worse and worse. He also had this concept that I liked about concentrated spectacle versus diffuse mm. spectacle. And I tried to find like, this is going to be very brutal and please don't judge me for this. But <laughs> for me, concentrated spectacle would be Trump tells you what to think. He's on TV. He, mm. He's there every day. There's contradictions, but he tells you and you take it. Diffuse spectacle would be the Democratic Party argues with each other over a catalog of possible things. Mm. The end result being the same. Nothing gets done. Nothing changes. Mm. But but he he then came back in 88 and that at that point in his follow up, Debord t- started talking about what he called an integrated spectacle, mm-hmm. which combined both of the former. And that fucked me up. I, I wanted to read a little quote uh, uh, that I yeah, found please. in his follow up. He called it comments on the society of the spectacle. Very Frenchly. Such a perfect democracy constructs its own inconceivable foe, terrorism. Its wish is to be judged by its enemies rather than by its results. The story mm-hmm. of terrorism is written by the state and is therefore highly instructive. The spectating populations must certainly never know everything about terrorism, but they must always know enough to convince them that compared with terrorism, everything else seems rather acceptable or in any case, more rational and democratic. Mm, 
Wow. That's that that's interesting because when he when he talks about the um when he talks about the concentrated and the diffuse spectacle, essentially the concentrated spectacle is like the USSR, right? Like bureaucratic yes. capitalism, right? Mm-hmm. And he uses Stalin as an example of that and also says that the concentrated spectacle is basically facilitated by violence, complete like total violence and terror at all times. But the diffuse spectacle now, that is and that, I like that I like that um that analogy you used, Julian, because Trump really is, I wouldn't, I'm not going to call him a Stalinist figure, but his authoritarian tendencies. His images, right? his image, his images. Yeah, his projection. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Personality, sort of. Exactly. Or what DeBoer would, would call a star, right? right. Somebody yeah, yeah. who is a representation of what people want or can imagine themselves to be, or rather what's permitted in society. Mm-hmm. Because that's the other thing about the spectacle, right? Is that it's not about what we can achieve and what we can be, but actually what we can't do. Mm-hmm. under advanced commodity production, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. that's what turns us into contemplative figures, Yeah, right? Where we're essentially powerless, right? In the, we're just in the same way, in the same mm-hmm. way that if it appears it's valuable, if it doesn't appear, it's not valuable. It's actually exactly. a way of excluding an entire part of what would maybe naturally come up uh, in the human mind in reaction to these circumstances. It's suppressing mm-hmm. that, managing it. Exactly. Yeah, because I know that, I know both of you are, are um, I was thinking, I know that Debord writes at some point, that the diffuse spectacle is far more efficient than mm. the concentrated one um, because, you know, it's, 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 I guess, more decentralized, harder to critique. I, I, I would imagine you can think of this along the lines of like, I think how Zizek views ideology and how contemporary ideology functions in the unconscious. So the right. traditional Marxian sort of ideological critique of like, I'm going to take specific bourgeois ideologist view and show you how the conscious ideas are ideological is now no longer productive, no longer works. Because ideology functions in the unconscious. You can mm. believe nothing and it's, it can still be ideological. Right. Because yeah. like the, the baseline reality mm-hmm. is itself ideological. Mm. Whereas the traditional Marxist, Marxian sort of critique of ideology is contingent upon a real baseline reality to mm. contrast the ideological view with. Mm. So it's, uh, I know Adorno makes this, he sort of advances this idea in a lot of Frankfurt School stuff as well. And, and the way that I think Debord talks about this is by saying that ideology is materialized. Mm. So the material world sort of inge- is injected into uh, the, the way in which the ideological apparatus or the spectacle makes mm. it harder for, like, say, let's say the worker to develop class consciousness. Mm. I know in like uh, thesis 217, which is a little later, or at the end of the book, uh, he says, uh, in a society where no one can any longer be recognized by others, each individual becomes incapable of recognizing his own reality. Ideology is at home. Separation has built its own world. Mm. Um, And that's that's a product of what he says is that like the illusion of encounter. Yeah. Right. That the faculty of encounter of the worker to, let's say, like, understand how they're being exploited um, is like even at that level it's taken away mm-hmm. even like the the baseline reality that they are attempting to you know to, to develop class yes. consciousness is not um, yeah allowed. instead of changing their, uh, their their material condition change their perception of their material condition and mm-hmm. it's like you said like the physical doesn't change but since our realities are entirely projected and we're encouraged to make it even more so I also wanted to, before we move on, like the, the idea mm. of the diffuse spectacle being more effective is very interesting because I think in our era, what was scary to maybe like the old school, the never Trumpers and all that was this idea that we were moving from a diffuse spectacle to uh, a, um, a concentrated spectacle. Mm-hmm. And the, the problem with that is that, yeah, then you have to basically, the spectacle's job is to then make sure that it's okay for Trump to be a man of the people and an incredibly wealthy baby or whatever, you know? <laughs> but, yeah. so, but, but what they would rather, the never Trumpers, is we go back to, oh, 
oh, actually, the two sides that need to resolve themselves aren't meant to. They're two sides of the dialogue, actually. It's Republican and Democrat. You never have to resolve it. Way more elegant, way more elegant than having to make Trump into uh, something that looks good and and feels good. Well, the diffuse spectacle gives the illusion of choice. Right. right. I mean, when I say commodity, I mean, not even just in terms of like, you know, traded goods and products, but even Trump himself as a commodity. Right. Mm-hmm. The Democratic Party, Joe Biden as a commodity, the mm-hmm. whole slate, like the 50 fucking like Democrats that ran in the fucking <laughs> primary. Right. Yeah. It's this allu- the same way, you know, you go into like, you know, a store and there are like 20 different brands of deodorant. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing with our politics. And the diffuse spectacle seems to give you this illusion of choice. And this idea that, you know, you 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 can never be satisfied because once you buy one commodity, right, and that, that dissatisfaction, like, you know, sort of like creeps in, a new one comes out yeah. to sort of make you feel whole again, right? To make mm-hmm. you feel, I guess, I don't know, connected to something, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, which is the the sort of the idea in like both VR of like sign value of a mm-hmm. thing that has value just because people perceive it as valuable, which is mm-hmm. very connected, I think, to DeBoer. Trump was chasing sign value. He wanted mm-hmm. to be well-liked, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. In a certain way, he was also at the whim of the spectacle. Yeah. There's, there isn't like a, it, like it gets to the level where there isn't like a cynical distance of the ruling class of like, we will give the peasants their spectacle. It's like, mm-hmm. they operate in it too. Yeah. They're, yeah, they're, they all, they're also stuck in it. Yeah, they've all been doing Shakespearean shit and they just <laughs> had this grotesque guy walk on stage, fart and brandish a saber <laughs> and the entire audience went wild. And they were like, yeah. wait, what, is this being my production? Is, is Dawn, it's over? Yeah. You know what I was thinking the other day? I was like, man, if we had just like subsidized like a Truman Show, like recreation <laughs> of reality, it just stuck Trump in there, he would have never oh, yeah. ran for president. Oh, yeah. Trump, Trump, Trump in that white room at the end of 2001. <laughs> 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 yeah. Oh, we can okay. do like oh. a goodbye Lenin sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. where it's like, yes, you're still president. <laughs> oh. One last thing I want to mention too, I guess. Um, I know we're moving quickly, but I want to talk about this for a little bit. Um, Deborah says that at earlier times and in, um, in earlier um, modes of production, right, everything was about having, right? It was like being became having, right? But now having has become appearing. You know, I think that's why social media is so insidious, right? Because especially things like Instagram or even Twitter, right, which is just, you know, um, like a a word based medium. But it's all about like, how will people perceive me? How will I appear to people? Right. How will I think DeBoer even says that it's as if the spectator is looking in a mirror or looking through, I mean, even like a, a sort of fog at somebody else mirroring him and like doing his same motions, but for him, you know what I mean? Like he's yes. not actually autonomous and acting on his own will. So could we talk about the little like that a little bit, this idea of appearance? And again, this is not just relegated to advertising or mass media. This has to do with Sure, the way people dress themselves, but also who you decide to vote for, right? Mm-hmm. Just generally what products yeah. you decide to consume. I think that that's also a result of of a broader movement. Uh, you know, Edward Bernays created mm. essentially PR. We had uh, self regulating systems. I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to just regurgitate Adam Curtis, uh, which <laughs> yeah. is which is totally worth watching in conjunction with reading this book. By please, the way, please watch Century of the Self. Please, yes, <laughs> it's very very good. Um, but 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 yeah, you know, the, we've been selling this idea to everybody like, oh yeah, you're, you're a brand. I mean, we've even heard it in the language within PR about millennials. They're like, you know, man, millennials are actually more into experiences. They don't care mm. so much about things. It's like, 
You're just trying to fucking integrate into the spectacle that we can't afford things. You motherfuckers. Exactly. Hey, they're just like that, dude. Yeah, free spirits. Fuck you, man. I want a house. <laughs> or, or they'll tell you like, or they'll, yeah, millennials want to experience things, but then, you know, there's an ad for like, you know, a pair of running shoes or walking shoes or like something to like something that you can buy and take with you when you're supposed to be fucking outside, you know, being yeah. a human being, you know? Of course, of course. <laughs> yeah. And so I think that that we're so far gone. It's hard to even distinguish uh, the world before PR, like it's hard to distinguish the stages we've gone through because one gave birth to the next and every single one of them was an adaptation, some sort of mutant, uh, you know, it's like when you take fucking, uh, uh, too much ecstasy and then your receptors are shutting down, like half of them are just like, and it's like, you know what, they'll yeah. go back over the next four years in the, in a new shape, in a weird <laughs> shape. Like those little creatures in fucking in in the, the, the little mermaid, you know, that like live at the bottom that Ursula has trapped as weeds. Like, and it's like we don't even – it's hard to recognize mm. what it would have meant to to feel normal and okay or even human in a basic reality uh, mm. because alienation dissociation is such a fucking feature of yes. our modern life and show. Yes. I, know, I know at the end of Society of the Spectacle he mentions schizophrenia. And the reading here is that um, – which I don't think is – technically like you know psychologically true but it's you know mm. it's an analogy or whatever mm. that it's sort of a closing off of the world mm. and and that like the false consciousness related to um the spectacle is a sort of schizophrenia of sorts mm. of like of th that we've been so isolated from each other that we can't mm. even see we can't even gain like authentic recognition exactly um, we can't even relate with each other authentically Mm -hmm. this is one of my most uh horrible lines that i got from the follow-up the spectacle is nothing more than an image of happy unification surrounded by desolation and fear at the tranquil mm. center of misery. Yes, <laughs> I love said? that quote. That's that's Maybe so I, I read that. I love it. Awesome. I love God. it, but it's also so French and so depressing. <laughs> yeah, <I know>. yeah. <laughs> that's horrible. <laughs> it's very hurtful. I was like, damn, bro. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> like, All right. Okay. Fine. Fine. Toss your uh, toss your espresso, burning hot espresso at my face and put a cigarette <laughs> out in my mouth. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I guess to kind of like underscore this, um, and I'm going to just, I mean, we're going to, people are going to have to read this book because I'm just going to keep bringing them quotes. We'll keep bringing them quotes. But um, thesis three says the spectacle presents itself simultaneously as society itself, as a part of society and as a means of unif unification. But due to the very fact that the sector is separate, it is in reality the domain of delusion and false consciousness. The unification it achieves is nothing but an official language of universal separation. And I think that's the that's the coupled with the fact that the spectacle is autonomous. It's not something that's like it's not some conspiratorial thing where they're like a tiny cabal of like ruling class in a room, you know, smoky room who are like planning like this is what we're going to, you know. No, mm -hmm. it's it's something that's just a process of capitalist production. Right. Mm -hmm. Commodity production. Yeah. And it makes it terrifying because and we'll talk about this end because I, I like the end, even though the show is kind of doomerish. I like the end on a hopeful note, mm -hmm. but it's sort of terrifying. Like, how do we get out of that? Right. And the situation yeah. has had an idea for that. Right. Mm -hmm. By right. through creating situations. But it is something that feels like, you know, you're just walking into the gaping maw of Moloch. Right. And I can't and there's no way that I can peel myself away from it. Right. Yeah, it's it's hard because we can't even identify the transformations that we've gone through or mm. even our parents' generation. So we, I don't think that we're yet able to um, basically tell our own story. 
Like we're kind mm, of like yeah. we're lunatics. We're lunatics. We're hungry. We're we're drug addicts. We're we're you know at the end of our lives wandering through the desert, fucking hallucinating. And someone's mm. like, "Could you please tell me, like, you know, wh- where you were you born?" And and it's like, yeah. I don't fucking know, man. <laughs> I don't even remember my own name, man. <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah, and I think that this kind of hallucinatory state is something that it you you can extricate yourself from. But the question is, could you ever have the eyes to see yourself? Uh, properly or i mean yeah. the, the buddhists talk about how separation and suffering uh and and desire they trap you in what they call the the land or the realm of the hungry ghosts and mm. i don't think that there's a better example really like representation of where we're at this non-reality where we're in a constant state of hunger our addiction mm. is our up and down and that's it too we're we're addicted to images and we're addicted to money in such a profound and chronic way that the entire family of humanity has mm. jumped in and gone no 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 there's nothing wrong with uncle jimmy you know like it's mm. it's the way that we protect our own and the addicts and and the and and we naturally want to protect uh, them from abnormality or 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 like being ex- expelled from a group so we mm. all, we do try we like the spectacle we're trying to unify constantly um, mm. this increasingly uh, ununifiable world. Mm. Yeah, mm. we are the muncher from Ghostbusters. <laughs> so true. <laughs> it's so perfect, yeah. I don't have the line in front of me, but he says something like, the the spectacle is the guardian of sleep, right? It's, the, it's, that, it's that guardian of submission, right? I mean, some people want to call it brainwashing, but I think that's too facile of a term. It's not even just brainwashing, right? It's It's almost like this, this, constant like pressure in this effort that again is autonomous where you are unable again to act politically you're unable to even contemplate your own life right because you spend all your time contemplating commodities and that is that poverty of of spirituality i guess right to use that Mm -hmm. word i guess which is a lot which is what this book really does feel like it's about Mm -hmm. he uses that word a lot but he's not talking about poverty just in the material sense but it is an existential sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In the a humanist sense, being... the, the idea of the yeah. soul. Yeah. The meaning, the, 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 je ne sais quoi, the fucking, the joie de vivre. Come on. <laughs> you know, it's what makes us love the camembert. <laughs> yeah. It's sort of like, I'm thinking of like uh, Black Ski White Mass by Fanon. Yeah. Where he talks about how he, how he sees himself is a product of like how he's recognized in the world mm. and like your literal, your, your internal structure. It's like a, you, what does he use the term? Like a, a historical epidermal, you know, it's pierced mm. into the skin and how like the lack of recognition we get is like a, has a very profound effect on our, even our understandings of our world, yeah. which I think relates again to the, the, the Zizek reading of like ideology being unconscious. Yeah. It's not in the realm of even producing ideas. It's in the realm of the unconscious that allows for ideas to be produced in the first place. Mm-hmm. It's like, how do you how do you deal with that? How do you reconcile with that? And especially too, DeBoer brings up that even in the proletariat's leisure time, right? Like that leisure time is spent consuming shit, Yeah. right? Because you go home and you know, like, or you get right out of your job and you go on Twitter or Facebook and then you go home and you watch TV or you start scrolling through like Amazon so you can buy shit to make you feel something because you just work fucking eight to 10 hours 
slaving away for somebody who doesn't give a fuck about you, you know? The mm-hmm. idea is like, go clean up your room, go clean up your spectacle, <laughs> get it together again, exactly. make, make the images slightly more soothing. Okay, now you're ready for the next stage of the nightmare. And you're treated yeah. like an adult too, like an actual <laughs> adult, right? <laughs> when you have that leisure time, that's when, you know, mm-hmm. uh, that's when the uh, producers are actually seen as like these mature individuals who can make their own decisions, supposedly mm-hmm. make their own decisions. Yeah. Right? Even and, though, the, the, like, we, as we've been seeing with this GameStop thing, the, the actual market is emotional. Like, that is it. It's like, oh, they're yeah. just like, well, you know, this uh, the, the market's having that time of the month again. You know, we, yeah. we don't know what to do with it. It's like, I thought you guys designed this specifically against this type of irrational stuff. And now you're like basically <laughs> saying that the market is, you know, like a misogynist would perceive a woman who has access to the nuclear codes. Oh, man, you know, the market might nuke us this week. It's going through a bad one. It's got a tummy ache. Yeah. Well, well, that's like, that's the whole, like the, the, the reason why this book is so amazing to me, because um, when I first like you know, read Capital, or I'm finished reading, but started reading it, the idea of reification, right? Of subject becoming object and vice versa, right? This is why, like, again, with the whole GameStop thing that happened today, like, people are talking about the market as if it has a mind of its own, mm-hmm. right? As if it's like a, a, a like a corporeal thing, right? That needs to be fed and, like, given water and, like, put to yeah. sleep. And it's like, no, motherfucker, y'all manage that shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's uh, the campground rule. You got to leave the market better than you found it. Exactly. Who left all this trash around? Exactly. It's like the it's like the Reddit chumps just chugging fucking cheap Miller lights and just pissing all over the campground. Just fucking gorging on Cheetos. This is a hundred percent. Yeah, the, the, this is a hundred percent. Just the the coked up uh, boys on Wall Street just not wanting to share any of the drugs with the Reddit scum that just came into the club wearing like you know oversized T shirts. I hope they oh, lose yeah. everything. I really do. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. It's so cool. What is that? There's that massive or relatively large like agency or whatever that's like yeah. might go insolvent tomorrow. Oh, Melvin Capital or whatever. Melvin Capital, yeah. yeah. It's 11 name. billion. You should. You should go under with a name like that, man. What the fuck? Yeah. The Reddit yeah. bailouts. That'll be <laughs> our, our 2008, the Reddit bailouts. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, I want to jump in now to uh to you guys' realm. Um, first though, let's let's talk about social media and the spectacle. Because I think that if people want to understand the spectacle in terms of something tangible, you know, I think that social media and mm-hmm. again, we don't want to regulate the spectacle to, you know, mass media, communications technology or anything like that or news. But social media, I think, is a perfect example, right, of the spectacle, um, like in terms of the latest, the latest, most effective technological, sociological, semiotic development, right? Mm. I guess to start off, like, what is it about social media that do you guys think where the the spectacle is most expressed? I I love the word integrated for this because there's nothing that going on social media and posting doesn't do. You're producing, you're consuming, you're caught in the spectacle, you're feeding the spectacle. There's there's literally no angle that is not integrated. It is almost like the final form of the spectacle uh, mm. atomized to the individual. Mm. Mm-hmm. And and we all see each other through clout, through sign value. Oh, yeah. You know, it's all sick. about followers. It's all about retweets. It's all about likes. It's Someone's cool because they have likes. It's yeah. so on the nose, you know. It's literally a value assigned to people. And that's mm-hmm. what they are. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, if we're talking about the spectacle being about appearance, right, rather than being or even having 
you know, I mean, it's so diseased. I'm about to delete my account after this. I swear to fucking God. But it's like, you know, checking again, like you said, Liv, checking follower accounts. Like who retweeted me? Yeah. Oh, like I'm going to follow this person. Do they have a blue check? No, I'm not going to fucking follow them. Oh, yeah. You know, <laughs> mm-hmm. it's 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 really, really diseased. And I mean, yeah, by I the think- way, Aaron, I got a blue check and now I'm on the show. What? What's the deal? Oh man, you I'm never fucking, hit yeah. me up before. I had to do check. <laughs> you literally <laughs> got it like last week. That's why. I hit you. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, I, I was actually thinking like, man. I mean, this is aside the point, but I was like, man, should I? When they open verification, should I try to do that? Would I be a class trader? Like if no, I went, you should, you should. Check? you should, you should, because we need, we need, we, we need better capos, kinder capos. So come join us. Uh, oh, yeah. I feel like they banned me much easier because of my content. They just be like, what the fuck is he uh, talking yeah. about? Guillotines? Yeah. What? No, fuck that. Um, yeah, yeah. My content is problematic. Yeah. No, that's for, the thing for, too. For giving a blue check to all of the guys in Q, QAA. Yeah, and that's true. Two, None of the girls. Bonus. Damn, man, Never. that's fucked up, yo. That's fucked right. up, man. Yeah, yeah. I guess Where's there's some justice. <laughs> there, there's one quote I do want to read, um, which obviously, again, DeBoer could not have imagined. You know, when even when he wrote the comments on the side of the spectacle. He couldn't have in 88. He couldn't have imagined that social media wouldn't have been a thing. But I think that this quote here from um, Thesis 18, he says, quote, when the real world is transformed into mere images, mere images become real beings, figments that provide the direct motivations for hypnotic behavior. And later on, he says that the spectacle is the opposite of dialogue, which is exactly what social media feels like. Right. right. Like it's supposed to be this space where. I think that, again, this is like, I guess, in the 80s and the 90s with these fucking tech bros in Silicon Valley, where they really had this utopian ideal of the Internet, where it would be a sort of modern symposium, Mm -hmm. right, with this free with this free exchange of ideas. And like, no, it it can't possibly be that when, you know, all of our information and content is channeled through the pipelines of a handful of like multinational, multi-billion dollar corporations. Mm -hmm. And. There, there is that 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 aspect where again a fragmented views where we're all trapped in a bubble even online right in our own little I guess leftist spaces online, and I, I guess where I want to go with this is like um, online radicalization right and and QAnon right obviously these fringe groups and how social media has exacerbated these real and illusory divisions in society right. There, there are sort of two two general ways to handle it, which I think you, I guess, highlighted slightly, which is first off the fact that like these corporations, you know, as long as they can make money out of it, do not care. Mm. If they can get more ad clicks and more revenue based off of like literal Nazi pages, then they'll allow it. Exactly. You know, it's only when it's only when that looks bad and they might lose money, which is, again, per, you know, it's a it's simply a perception that, exactly. that changes the value of it. Um, then they sort of um, go back. But then I think also at a deeper level, again, like the seeing like the spectacle isn't simply a product of, you know, the corporations and news companies. It's a product of our like sort of alienation between each other mm. and, and how the commodity defines our relationships with each other. That like a lot of these movements happen and are a product of that sort of underlying social phenomena. Mm. And so, of course, if they're given a means to organize with each other online, then it's only going to spiral out of control. Exactly. Exactly. So like, and and I think it's it's also of course combined because you know there's a reason why there's an underlying reason why so many right wing accounts mm. are proliferating online. Mm. It's not mm. simply like the the corporations themselves. It's mm. more so I think that the the algorithms decide that for the sake of the flow of capital, we're going to allow these accounts to exist mm. because uh, it makes us money. Because you click on ads, you mm. you consume. It's it's mm. through you know it's ordered through consumption. 
there's a there's I think a, a sort of a more lib level of analysis, which is like as long as Twitter just removes it, then we're fine. Exactly. Then the, the problems are gone. It's sort of like a thing of like the reason why uh, there's fascism is simply because of Trump. Exactly. If we remove Trump, but then it's like there's an underlying social cause to it. Exactly. And there that, are material the, conditions. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. But also, like a yeah. lot of the things that incited this didn't incite it directly. This was essentially the spectacle throwing itself a horrible little revolution, and it Ooh. turned out it was going to be a beer hall putsch. Very big surprise. <laughs> that the spectacle was like the best show. The Highest ratings we've determined is, yeah, you got it, fascism, baby. Uh, So that's what's sad is like you can talk to the participants, you can talk to the supposed leaders, the insiders. They don't fucking know what they're talking about either. They're completely subsumed by the spectacle. They have Mm -hmm. no strategy except for their own like gratification in an immediate sense. Yeah, and I think like with like conspiracy stuff and conspiracy guys, because it's an interesting uh, conspiracy stuff as a phenomenon. You like people who love conspiracy theories view the world around it. Before 2016 or so, it was sort of quote unquote apolitical. You can see this with Alex Jones, for instance, who was like against the Republicans and the Democrats. Mm -hmm. And then there's something about Trump that they just fucking loved. And they all moved around. That's sort of, QAnon is of course like a conspiracy theory or or it's more like a a pantheon of conspiracy theories. You know, you have all of the different um, Mm -hmm. uh, ones that you sort of combine into each other, Mm -hmm. which, which sort of reminds me again of like the idea of rational skepticism of Mm -hmm. not believing is itself ideological. Like Mm -hmm. uh, a quote from, this is thesis 213, uh, materialized ideology has no name, just as it has no formulatable historical agenda which is another way of saying that the history of different ideologies is over. Mm. So like you can become this rational skeptic, but then somehow fall into ideology. Mm. This is how like, you know, you go to like r slash conspiracy is a good example of this. Like very, very big conspiracy subreddit that's existed for a while. It used to be about how, you know, aliens or whatever. Chemtrails and shit. Yeah, yeah, you know, Bush (laughs) during 9-11. And now it's like, you know, Italy gate. It's like, you know, Donald yeah. Trump has been betrayed by the establishment. Jesus They're totally fucking in, in Christ, yo. Oh, yeah. QAnon has just colonized the entire conspiracy theory. Like, like just, you know what I mean? Like fringe. Uh, I, I think what's scary, too, is like I, I wrote about this in a, in a, my, my Substack piece where I kind of used the board a little bit. And it was about force the vote and talking about this idea that because, again, the spectacle is an official language of universal separation. Right. And. When you post, you are just observing, right? That's all you're really doing. Like nobody is actually changing anything materially by posting. And, you know, like no shade to anybody that was an advocate of like force the vote. And I'm not trying to draw parallels like with QAnon because actually QAnon came out of like this immaterial world where, again, it was a manifestation of powerless to actually storming the fucking Capitol yeah. on January 6th, right? And what's right. funny, what's funny is that if you look at like history, a lot of the beliefs that QAnon espouses are totally historical. They, mm. they make sense with the history of how America is thought before the age of kind of uh, like rationalism and science and all this shit like supposedly changed everything. But the problem is now they can't actually distinguish between the fantasies of yore that were physicalized, you know, for them, like witches really existed or whatever, uh, and today's movies. So they're reading mm. Netflix, which for them is just as fucking real. And they're like, well, yeah, they're actually like I had the same beliefs as, as they did back then, which is a real. And it is really the spectacle uh, once again, because it's uh, the uh, they cannot they can no longer distinguish between the image that they see on TV mm. and reality. And mm. if visibility equals value, then you have to constantly 
integrate whatever is visible. And that's what QAnon mm. does. They swap out who's going to save them. They're already considering whether Biden's a white hat. Jesus fucking, fucking Christ. Yo. Yep, yep, yep. Everything is subsumed. They actually act way more like the spectacle in a microcosm of it. In it's that autonomous there's nothing almost. You can throw. Oh, yeah. Nothing you can throw at it. It's a fucking mm. AI. It's decentralized. It's a, it's a torrent. Good luck. It, it, yeah. It's really, truly terrifying. And again, like, you know, like I have to recommend people like check out Child's podcast. But again, like listening to your podcast and like especially when you guys covered the January 6th siege and um, you guys really upset um, like I, because like Ashley Babbitt, you know, the woman that died. Sure, you can make jokes, you know, you can make like memes and shit like that as a leftist, but it's actually not funny. It's like incredibly sad that this woman who spent like half of her life in the military and because, again, the spiritual poverty right, of that experience, right, of returning mm -hmm. home, right? And I'm not, I, I don't know what her finances were or anything like that, you know, but just this idea that, that I'm sure that experience leaves a hole in people. And then for her to have that hole filled by this batshit fucking insane conspiracy theory and then lose her fucking life over it, it's yeah. tragic. Mm -hmm. It's not funny at all. No, it's yeah. not. No, it's not. And it's, it's, uh, it's not. But that's the problem with the spectacle is that it is already a lefty meme because it there, we can't process the level of grief that would be normally required by uh, an average human being mm. exposed to so many images. We are completely blinded. That's what Guy Debord talks about is that the unification happens not because everything makes sense together. It's because you can't fucking see anything anymore. There's right. too much and it becomes, it overwhelms your, your, your eye. And it mm. fills it with light, blinding, mm. beautiful light. And then you just fucking submit. Mm. It's like a nausea from overeating, you know? Mm. Yeah. There's so much in your stomach, you can't you yeah. process it all. That's like yeah. me at like 3 a.m. after smoking like mad weed. I'm just like, I eat yeah. bad food. I just knock the fuck out. I'm like, yeah. 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 QAnon yeah. Q in a way are like, yeah, they're the most mentally ill. They're, they're that freak fringe that's like going crazy mm. and hallucinating and thinking that uh, they're basically the purest endpoint of the uh, spectacle. Mm. And of yeah. course, they terrify us. They're the barbarians so, at the gate because they're the sign of what's to come. Yeah, yeah they, they're the most sort of ripped away from any social reality, any capacity to relate to people. And so, of course... The thing that is has the most appearance is going to uh, make them think that it's reality. There's, you know, in there's sort of the the people in the allegory of the cave who are chained mm. up looking at the 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 shadows um, on the wall. Shadows, yeah, mm. yeah. That's it's essentially our future to a certain extent. If if it if capital continues to break people away, if if the only way we can see each other is through value is through these sort of um, which I, I guess it turns into sign value then. But but only through sort of wealth, only through these this incredibly alienating experience, then we cannot gain recognition. There has yeah. to be some way around that. It makes me think of um, I was reading uh, Graeber's book on debt, which mm. rest in peace. Very good. Yeah, rest in peace. He 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 brings this quote from um, an Inuit person when when talking about I think they they gave someone in their their community some some meat some seal meat because they needed it, and then the, I think the anthropologist was like, um, do they owe you or whatever. And his response was like, I wouldn't insult him by saying that uh, he owes me, that mm -hmm. he should say thanks. Because mm -hmm. that is to turn that person not into a human, to mm -hmm. view them as an economic exchange, which, mm -hmm. is, which is insulting to him. But that's the only capacity we have to view each other. Exactly. You know? Exactly. Through economic relations. I mean, remember yeah. you guys, again, I'll drop a link to that episode with um, Chrisman, where you guys cover the society spectacle. But this idea of what is it, homo economis? Right? Yeah, economicus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Economicus, right? That we have completely, like, our humanity has been stripped away from us. 
and we only can relate to each other like through commodities and economic terms. Mm-hmm. Right. Like when I'm sitting at my dinner, you know, at the dinner table with my family and I ask like my mom to pass me the salt, she doesn't say like, give me five fucking dollars. You know what I mean? And I'll pass you the fucking salt. She just passes me the salt. Right. I know that's a simplistic example, but yeah. Also, that- your mom charges a lot for salt. I know. Right. It's just as much as fuck, bro. Like, come on, man. <laughs> I want like 15 cents of it just right now. <laughs> right. Yo. We can talk about the whole thing later. Invested in salt stocks, for, like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but like that's that's I guess like the 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 terrifying thing. And I'm gonna ask you guys this too, but I guess I'll finish this thought. I guess that's the ter- the terrifying thing about the spectacle again, right? Is that and and capitalism as a whole is that we can no longer relate to each other outside of the economy, right? Mm-hmm. I think I think there's this quote. I'm probably gonna butcher it, but he says something like. The economy has reshaped and retooled the world in its own image, right? And the commodity especially, right? Where we can no longer be honest human beings with each other. We can't even go outside and like enjoy like life as it is without, even if you want to take a walk somewhere, you know, without being bombarded with advertisements, you know, without like listening to trying to listen to music and like Mm -hmm. being bombarded with like ads for shit you should buy. And it's just like, it's overwhelming, Mm -hmm. right? And it's pacifying. And yeah. that's, 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 that's the terrifying, scary thing about it. But, um, but people, I, I, pe- well, one thing I did want to bring up is that I think people mm-hmm. criticized him a lot, uh, along those kind of boomer lines of like, well, but now we have food, like you used to, we used to starve, like, you know, or whatever, that kind yeah. of shit of like material, uh, conditions have never been better or whatever. And what he wrote about that was very interesting. This was in the 88 follow-up. The new privation is not far removed from the old penury since it requires most men to participate as wage workers in the endless pursuit of an attainment. Everyone knows he must submit or die. The reality Mm. of this blackmail accounts for the general acceptance of the illusion at the heart of the consumption of modern commodities. Mm. So it's like, it it, it is, I think, this idea that gets disputed a lot of like, well, millennials just feel bad because they're not like living bad, like they have all the food they want or whatever. So they must, you know, it's like, well, okay, so... Should we examine the system that is creating a generation of people with fucking, uh, you know, uh, depression and, exactly. and the inability to understand reality because it's become so complex and disconnected from like basic human like biology and, yeah. and sense of self? Yeah. Uh, and, and I think that that's something that's a project of the of, of the old generation by default. Like mm. uh, it says it here, you know, the general acceptance, like that's their actual mission. And that's yeah. something bringing it back to the dinner table that I've had many arguments with my parents about because it's mm. like they'll never identify as like just we love capitalism or whatever, but they will defend it in in yeah. every possible way subconsciously. Yeah. And it's just like using arguments like, well, would you prefer like no one to have ever invented the iPhone? Because, you know, you use that a lot. And it's like it's this really funny thing of like <laughs> arguing with millennials uh, and, and the later generations that we actually don't feel like shit all the time. And, exactly. that, and we need to shut the fuck up and work harder. Yeah, it's 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 I mean, I think that especially at a time of like, you know, abundance where like, you know, we've created more in this society, just products, right? That people should be able to like use, right? More than at any point in society, right? Yet there's still this spiritual again, poverty, right? And, and it's, it's, it's disillusioning. And I think that's why I really wanted to point people to this book, because as depressing as, as it is, the same way that I read Capital, and it helped me understand as a worker when I was working in the kitchen, my relation to my boss, right? Like why my boss decides to make the decisions that he does, right? My relation to products. And it kind of like gives you like a little out where at least if you're like, you know, a product of capitalism and you were thinking capitalism, at least I can think differently and understand these things and analyze them. And there is some kind of hope there, 
right? Because it doesn't make me feel so like diseased and alone because like I can fucking say fuck my boss and grumble, but at least like I can understand why, you know, Mm -hmm. I guess like where one thing I did want to mention, ask you guys, because I just thought about this when we were talking, you know how Marx says that capitalism essentially will eat itself like eventually. Do you guys think that the spectacle is now gotten to a point where it's so autonomous and out of control that even the ruling class, which I, I mean, this will change, obviously. We'll see where QAnon goes. But it seems to me that the ruling class would prefer stability. They would prefer like bourgeois, like, mm-hmm. you know, liberalism, right? Mm-hmm. Rather than like overt fascism. Mm-hmm. But the spectacle, um, especially with, you know, QAnon, it seems that it's gotten out of control. Do you think the spectacle would eat itself, yeah. so to speak? Yeah, that's interesting. I, I guess yeah. it's the question of, and and, you know, capital system is inherently of course unstable mm-hmm. I, I, there is a, and of course y- your claim is obviously verified by the fact that like coca-cola came out to like denounce the coup yeah. <laughs> right like it's yeah. Just yeah. fucking dark yeah yeah it's awesome like because they're like no Meanwhile, course, they're, de- they're developing a brand like fanta for the insurrectionists <laughs> 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 delivering them to their jail like congrats yeah oh, yeah god like they would, they would love a dictatorship in Colombia that would be like, sure, you know, yeah. abuse the workers, it's fine. But the stability that is brought by the liberal, like democratic system in the the home country, so to speak, um, is far better for profit. Yeah. Um, I, and that's the sort of related to the arguments uh, related to like post fascism that the fascism of the twentieth century is sort of gone. That that everything that the fascist wants to do, they can do in the liberal democratic system, which also relates to aestheticization of politics, which is intimately related to to the spectacle. That like, um, it's not as if, in a certain sense, it's it's not as if like Trump even would have preferred a coup Mm -hmm. and a dictatorship, so so to speak. Like that he, he's perfectly allowed to exist in the liberal democratic system. Um, and, And I guess one of the reasons why he might not prefer it and why we could degrade into fascism, explicit fascism, is because the people who push push us towards that are themselves ingrained into the spectacle. Yes. They're more sort of Trumpian figures, but let's say potentially more competent. Because mm. mm. Trump was, of course, an idiot. He was yeah. like, he had no plan. He was uh, a moron. Um, yeah, but if we think of yes, the spectacle but- as a kind of sentient entity, like it would make sense that we don't know how it works. Like, is it yeah. one of these vampiric creatures that dies early? Like, is it yeah. a long lasting fungus that will actually live like in the bones of what's left? Like, how, how does it live? And that's something we don't understand because we don't see it as separate. We don't see our love for the market, our worship and acceptance of this emotional market, that, you know, this animal we all have to live in the room with. We don't want to accept that as as something that we don't have control over anymore. So it, it's going to be interesting, certainly, I think, to see uh, what it does, not what we choose, but what it does, uh, yeah, which it does. sounds a bit fucked up to, to look at it as an animal that we're studying. But yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think fundamentally, again, it's it's related to viewing each other as a commodity, as the defining social relationship is through value or, yeah. or through exchange value. Which I guess now has been replaced. I do like Baudrillard's sort of addition of sign value mm-hmm. as the defining characteristic of the economy. Which mm-hmm. I think it's it doesn't it's not antithetical to Debord, um, especially because he views you know appearances what is constituting you know value. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is some there's a lot of semiotic stuff in Debord as well. But that as long as that exists and as long as that's accelerated, this will only get worse. It'll only get will only get more detached from each other. Um, and if that's the case. Um, then you could imagine that something like Trump is not even the, you know, we haven't seen anything yet. Oh yeah. That's that the bar is set very low in that case. Yeah. 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 
DeBoer is set very low. Sorry. <laughs> DeBoer is set very Nice, nice. Um, I guess to end it off, y'all, like this show again is like, um, it's, a, it's a very, I mean, I'm a doomer, right? I'm like a cautious optimist, I guess, you know, which I feel like makes me a pessimist. But <laughs> I, tr- I, I try to end episodes on, I don't want to say a hopeful note, but, um, you know, ways that people can resist, right? Um, and to kind of circle back to how we started with the historical context, right? With the situations international, which the board started or co-started, the situations international, the situationists in that name is this idea that as avant-garde artists as they were, writers, filmmakers, you would create situations outside of the spectacle, right? That would help people to realize their own humanity, to realize like the sublime nature of human life, right? Instead of, again, being subsumed, right, in this representation of actual life. How can we peel away from the spectacle? Do you guys think, and I know there's a tradition of, you know, um, of folks who are inspired by the SI um, detournment. You know, we can talk about that a little bit, which is like something that's constantly being done. But even detournment has been recuperated by capital itself, Mm -hmm. right? But what are some ways that we can peel away from the spectacle? Or is it even possible to do that? Is that something that we have any control over? I, it's, I guess it's a it's a hard question to... I know. Yeah, I know. Logging the fuck off is the very I know, log the fuck off. Yes, log yeah, the absolutely. fuck off. Honestly, that's a message to I'm myself. Good. I'm screaming at myself right now, but log the fuck yeah. off. And the, because the, the, the experience of your life is the only thing that you can really have volition over sometimes mm. in this situation. So by logging the fuck off, by uh, meeting with friends, by attempting to find meaning outside of the screens, outside of the products of our era, in mm. things as simple as nature, as food, things that are fucking immemorial, we can reconnect with our own bodies and with others. There's no mm. doubt. Now, do I have a larger political message? I have no fucking idea about, you know, what kind of what comes next, but I, I you exactly. can recover at least part of your humanity. And that's, that is where you do have volition, uh, you know, mm-hmm. so it's not just a going limp and saying, oh, I would prefer not and oh, never work. It, it's also mm-hmm. like, you know, try to remember what we are mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. the valuable things. I think, you know, the, the initial point has to be an understanding of what we can't do mm-hmm. and what doesn't work. And I will say, I think that there is a there's a the, one response um, is to say, like, well, it's not, it, you know, it's not logging off, but let's make our own websites for the left to go to. Sure. And I think that and I think that uh, one of the issues with that is of course that it's not simply the presence of the corporations running the the websites etc. You know, like how Debor talks about the spectacle isn't simply the planning of, you know, uh, mass media mm. and and those at the the top of these institutions. There's an underlying structure there mm. that I think would still be affected in a lot of ways by those sort of um those like leftist websites. Mm. I think, I think what is, uh, yeah, f- I, I think it is logging off is the first step and, yeah. and understanding that like your posts aren't, um, are far less political than you might imagine they are mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and are far more for consumption. Exactly. And I, I don't think that radical politics can, you know, come out of like, you know, like consumption of radical politics. Right. No. Yeah. Like yeah. one of, one of the, it, the over the uprising that we saw over the summer and, you know, it's kind of dwindled down a little bit, um, but that we saw over the summer was like fucking awesome, man. You know, like seeing that and people actually out there in the streets. Mm-hmm. And I think a big part of that was COVID, which is like, as my co-host mm-hmm. Heron says, which is like the most revolutionary force <laughs> in like American <laughs> life for a long time. Because motherfuckers were like, 
man, I don't got to go to work. I've got, you know, people were getting like some people I did getting that extra $600 check on unemployment. I was like, yo, let me go outside. Wait, hold up. There's people protesting. What the fuck is going on? That's fucked up. <laughs> and for the first time, you know, for right. a long time, yeah. people like, you know, like black and white people, young people, old people, you know, like mm-hmm. libs even, right? Like people who are not as like, you know, as far left as we are, were out in the streets going toe to toe with the cops. And experiencing yeah. the sort of repression, you know, that this supposed democratic society that we live in, civil society, will immediately exact on people who are just mm. like fighting for basic human rights. And I think. Yeah, you see if, what comes down on them. And you see what comes down on them. But I think that, you know, with logging off and like just going the fuck outside and hanging out with your friends, like actually organizing like offline, like literally the other mm. day, somebody said to me, they commented, was like, well, you know, I don't trust organizing in meat space. And I was like, wow. this is so fucking disease that, you know, it's weird as fuck, but like, yeah. I guess that's what we're going to have to do. Huh? Right? Calling it meat space? Like, no, that's real life. <laughs> that's fucking that's- real life. Yeah, but <laughs> meat space makes it sound so like meat space sounds like a porn, an old porn website. It's it really does. You know? Apparently, yeah. it's from uh, William Gibson's. Um, oh, uh, yeah, Neuromancer. Yes, you know what I mean. Like, which is like fucked up that you're taking a phrase from a book that was commenting on the fact that we were all we lost ourselves along the way. Exactly, <laughs> yes. like yeah. online, yeah. yo. Exactly. Um, yeah. Yo, y'all. Is there anything else that you guys want to mention before we close out? Because I know we could talk about like this fucking book all fucking day. I might have to mm-hmm. do a part two on this shit. I don't know. But is there anything yeah. that you guys want to talk about? The one thing is the with like the the protests over the summer. It's a good mm. example of people like getting together. You know, yeah. understanding each other, not in relation to the commodity. At some level. And also like denying the spectacle. Because if you watch like Mm. CNN or even Fox News, what is your perception of these events? Mm -hmm. And then what is your perception of these events if you go to a protest? Yeah, You'll see, you know, actually it's the cops who started it. You know, we're, we're, you you know, this nonviolent protest simply walking down the street and the cops come in and start shit. As opposed to where like the, the perception of the media is generally to portray it in a particular way in which it's like, actually, you know, who knows, maybe this side is at this point, this mm-hmm. side is the other point. Or mm-hmm. in, Fo- in Fox News, it's like um, the the these these sage cops are like pr- yeah. protecting private property or whatever. That exactly. That's not like really how that works. And, and exactly. like actually- That's also not what's happening together. out there. Yeah, it's all- Exactly, yeah. 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 Like getting together and understanding each other far beyond simply one's sort of economic relationship Mm-hmm. to another person and acting through that is a way of in some ways fighting fending off the spectacle if mm-hmm. if at all you know only temporary because then you go back and you outside of the protest you mm-hmm. you are subjected to it mm-hmm. but it's a beginning it's a model it mm-hmm. is yeah and, and one interesting mm-hmm. aspect of the spectacle is you can see what it doesn't want to integrate so for example we're going to see the fucking you know televised courtroom of every single one of these people who went to the capitol but you will mm-hmm. not see images and the trials of the protesters during the summer exactly you don't want exactly. to show that and so it's interesting to just note okay what does the spectacle not want to show and guess what maybe mm-hmm. fo- focus on those areas and the problem is if you do that in a pure sense with no idea of ideology no politics no memory no sense of history you're queuing on. You're going, what's mm. the most outrageous thing that they cannot co-opt? Guess what? Baby eating and fucking yeah. <laughs> fascism. Yeah. Uh, right. So so it's not useful in a completely absolute sense, but it is useful to look at where the spectacle cannot co-opt. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's I think like leaving on that note, that's really interesting, Julian. I'm happy you brought that up because that I think that 
again, looking at what the spectacle doesn't want to show you, right? Mm -hmm. Those negative spaces, right? That's where we find like, you know, solidarity and resistance and just some fucking peace, Mm -hmm. right? Just to be able to like close our eyes and not sleep or turn away rather from that blinding light of the spectacle, which is like, yeah, just enjoy Yeah, be yeah. in your body, be with the people that you love. Because even if you're in political struggle, that should not be 90% of your life. You're going to burn up like a fucking, like a mm-hmm. candle on both ends. Exactly. You need a part of your life to be human and real. Because otherwise exactly. your politics has nothing to be informed by. Exactly, exactly, exactly. And like I was talking to a, I was talking to a friend last night and like, like we were, I don't remember what we were arguing about. We were just debating, I guess, like this perception of human nature And like, she thinks that I'm like, you know, a cynic and I hate everything. Right. But I was like, I hate everything because people are beautiful and Mm. this society and people are like naturally beautiful. And like, I do believe like good. Right. Like, I mean, I I don't, you know, I know some people say are people naturally good or evil, but like, I I hate to to use this Mandela quote, but like nobody's born to taught to hate. Right. That's Mm. something that you have to learn. And it just like fucking pisses me off that this society crushes like any any sort of like humanity that we have in us right and it reifies us right and it makes us contemplative right and it makes yeah. us observers and essentially it makes it makes us like powerless yeah it neutralizes, Even though we us. Fuck, it neutralizes us it puts us to fucking sleep right so mm-hmm. um y'all thank you so fucking much man yo i, I might have to like do boat yard with y'all next man i might sounds fun i might do like yeah. a theory re- like going like weird <laughs> shit like this to deal with you guys yeah. i really like this this is sounds tight. fun it's such a pleasure yeah i'll tell you yeah this is great um of course before i let y'all go what do y'all have to plug man oh i guess you can go to uh just check out q not anonymous on any uh podcast platform and then uh live you also have a podcast right yes uh the live agar podcast it's a rebrand from hosting which you know makes sense especially <laughs> given our discussion yeah, she, has, want, to, you know, she has to separate thing. herself from the spectacle she can't look like a <laughs> just another <laughs> avatar of it exactly right yeah. you can't just be a spectator right yeah but yeah, yeah, yeah i think uh you're live posting on twitter and i'm julian field f-e-e-l-b yes. Yeah. yeah, and I'll put links um, in the show notes to um, to you guys' Twitter accounts, like the podcast, live your personal podcast as well, yeah. um, as well as I really want people to listen to that Society of the Spectacle episode we did with Matt Chrisman because mm-hmm. I hope we didn't retread too much, but that still is like an amazing conversation. How can we and, um, retread? It's all about the magic of the man. It's all about exactly. the fire in his guts. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yo, guys, thank you so fucking much for uh, for for talking to me, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah. If you like this interview and want to support us, go to patreon.com slash adampod and become a patron for exclusive content, including weekly news updates.